Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your hosts, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week, we reflect more deeply on the Sabbath School Quarterly for March 21 to 27, titled, From Dust to Stars. Let's take a look now at a sealed book, the resurrection, and God's people who patiently wait in Daniel chapter 12. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word. Together, we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. For those of you who are uh, listening, this 13th Sabbath that we're getting ready for, From Dust to Stars, and uh, this is Daniel chapter 12, and the memory text today says, Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the firmament, those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Boy, you know, Buster, this this quarter sure has gone fast, hasn't it? Sure has, Michael. And it's amazing how we've seen some consistent themes all the way through from the beginning to the end. Here we are looking at the end of this book, but this book has repeatedly emphasized the theme that God is in control. Yes, he is. And, you know, uh, I, you and I were talking right before we start this podcast today. I think it's uh, timely, the fact that we're hitting this chapter uh, at this point in times of Earth's history, uh, that's going to remind us that not only is God in charge, but he also is there to comfort us, to bring us hope in the midst of fear. Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise. I'm sure our listeners are probably wondering the same thing. You know, the corona, the COVID-19 uh, epidemic that's been going on across this country and really around the world, uh, that there's a lot of uh, reactions. Uh, and what we can remember is is that, and it is something that's serious. We need to pay attention to be wise, use some good common sense, uh, a lot of those kinds of things. But we also can remember that, hey, uh, God's still there. He loves us and he cares about us and is, is still in charge of what's going on around us. You know, I, I think this is a goosebump moment time because let's start off with Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, which just reminds us, it gives us this, this imagery of who God is and what he does for us. Love it. At that time, Michael shall stand up. That great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as there never was since there was a nation, even to, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. Right? So we see here there's a time of trouble, but most importantly, we see Michael standing up, who is our great prince. And not only that, but he is with his people, and we shall be delivered. You know, Buster, when I was a kid, I used to be so scared of that time of trouble. Yeah, you know, and, and I've, I've read a lot of books that made us afraid, right? Right, yeah, and uh, the, the good news is, is that when, well, put it this way, when we're focused on ourselves and then we look around us, there's good reason to be afraid and to be panicky. You know, even this week I was going to the grocery store, wiped clean of groceries, and a long time ago before that it was wiped clean of uh, toilet paper, which is... Uh, you know, there's this kind of panic that's going on. Uh, but we can remember in the midst of that, instead of looking to ourselves with fear, when we look to Michael, when we look to Jesus Christ, we realize we don't have to be afraid, that we have hope. And by the way, we should also mention that, you know, the fact that we follow Jesus doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen no. uh, before the, the time of the end. Uh, we actually are reminded here in Dan Daniel chapter 12, it's it's not going to necessarily be easy but we don't have to be afraid. No, we don't have to be afraid. And the fact that, 
Sometimes he saves us in the fire and not from it. Uh, the very fact that the disciples, the apostles, they lost their lives, but they did it willingly. I think of stories of Hus, uh, uh, Jerome, and, and when they were being burned at the stake, were being burned while singing hymns, you know, as, as, as history recounts. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we don't have to be afraid because we're depending upon Jesus and we're relying upon him. Yeah. You know, the, the lesson asks us, how does Romans 8.34 and Hebrews 7.25 help us to understand what this text means? Uh, in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, I'll go ahead and start off with Hebrews 7.25, which just simply tells us, it says, Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he, is, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So he comes to save us, and he's constantly interceding on our behalves. And I like this also with uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 34. It says, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So it's just this kind of reminder from Pastor Paul that Jesus isn't there condemning us. He's there to save us. He's there to redeem us. He's there advocating on our behalf. <laughs> and, you know, to me, that was a paradigm shift growing up because, you know, here I was afraid of the time of trouble. I have to confess, Buster, you know, I was so scared that I had like a little emergency pack, a little backpack <laughs> in, in my room, and I timed myself to how long it would take to get out into my little fort in the woods because I was living in fear. I thought that I could do it. I could save myself, take care of myself through the time of trouble. But that paradigm shift came as I grew older and matured. I realized, you know, it's nothing that I could do, not my own strength, but it was Jesus. And in the midst of fear and chaos at the end of time, that's described for us, we don't have to be people of fear. We are people of hope because we know what's really going on and we know where the victory lies and that's in Jesus Christ. You, you know, that's so beautiful and it's funny because my paradigm shift came as a result of Romans 8.34. I heard a sermon on it that described it as if you get a ticket from the police officer and you go to court and the, the guy who gave you the ticket is also your lawyer who is also the judge – and is saying, don't worry, I'm going to get you off for free, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it just reminded me that, that Jesus is not pleading with the Father not to destroy us. He is the one that gets to decide, right? Yeah. And so the same one that died for us is the same one that's trying to save us. And it just, it just really gave me comfort and hope in Jesus Christ. So much all of this is really about your view of God. And if you see God as a harsh vindictive God that's up in the universe or an uncaring God, then you mm -hmm. can see why people would be afraid. If you recognize that our, our our Father in Heaven is a loving Father, just like, you know, the Bible describes about the Father who wants to give good gifts to His children. Absolutely. That if He is a God, truly a God of love and selfless, that, that He's really on our side doing everything He can to get us into Heaven. Of course, He doesn't force us. No, no, never will. But there he is advocating on our behalf. And if you want to know more about that, look at Luke 15. If you want to know what the father's like, he is the father of the prodigal son sitting on the porch daily waiting for him to come home, right? Beautiful. All right. So that was that was Sunday's lesson. As so we go on to Monday's lesson, it talks a little bit more about uh, uh, Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. And it talks about those who are found written in the book. And it asks this question, what, what is this talking about? What does this mean? What book? Well, great question here because we're really unpacking um, the book of life. And uh, here is um, talking about God's people at the end of time. But we also have a reference to 
a book that will be uh, preserved uh, for the end of time. So there's, there's kind of a, a couple of different references here, but um, but yes, at the very end of time, Psalm chapter 56, verse 8, Malachi chapter 3, verse 16, uh, Isaiah 65, they all mention this this book of life, and it records basically yeah. uh, our the record of our lives, what's gone on. And so if you think about it, right now we have all kinds of records, digital records, recordings, video recordings. You go to the bank. There's a camera usually up somewhere in the corner. They're keeping track of who's coming and going. But but God has a way and an ability as the all-knowing God of the universe. That there's nothing. We can't pull a fast one on God. He really knows uh, even the secret things of our hearts, the, our thoughts. He knows our innermost being. And so this is kind of like God, um, he knows the record of our lives. We can't hide from him. And at the very end, there is this book, this book of life. Yeah. You know, and I think it's it's a beautiful notion because – Part of this is, is that the enemy has said, God, you are not a just God. You're a vindictive, horrible God, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're going to get a chance to actually look and say, wow, God, you indeed are a just God. Uh, You don't have anything to prove to us. He doesn't have anything to prove to us, but he loves us so much that he wants us to have confidence in him. And, uh, And so this just goes along with that theme of God being a just and wonderful God. He is. You know, and by the way, that brings a thought to me at least in that we tend to look at one another and we we can see sort of how we live our lives on the outside. And oftentimes, you know, it's just talking about social media, sometimes the artificialness of social media. And I had someone post something (laughs) recently, you know, basically pointing out, you know, I'm actually having a bad day and having some challenging times in my life. And I realized that we tend to only present a certain image of ourselves. All the I call it our highlight reel. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All these good things. And and that's you know, that's good in a way. I'm happy for my friends as good things happen, but it doesn't end up having very deep, meaningful relationships because I tend to not see the challenges and see deeper than just the surface. And it's true. what this reminds me is that God sees uh, not just the, the surface. He doesn't just see our Facebook or Instagram feed. He, <laughs> he knows our very innermost being, our hearts, our desires. Um, and, and that's a beautiful thing because I tend to make evaluations of what I think is going on based on what I can see, but God sees so much more. You know, and I'm so glad you brought this up, Michael, because it's not just supposed to be that we uh, God knows, but we're supposed to pour it out to him. And church, the church body, not the place where we meet, the church body is supposed to have a place, an outlet where we pour out into each other. And uh, social media is not a replacement for church. No. We need real human relationships. We need a real relationship with God so we can pour out in those outlets of people that are spiritual that can pour back into us. And there may be people listening this particular Sabbath, especially as a lot of churches are moving to online. There's concerns about safety. Now the CDC is saying no groups larger than 50. So I suspect there's going to be a lot of people that are at home this particular week and this particular Sabbath. And, and you know, if you're not able to necessarily meet, I want to suggest to you that you reach out to those. You know, we're thinking of our friends and neighbors across the street. Please we have do. some elderly people that live across the street. Yes. Think, you know, of people like that to reach out to them, even necessary, you know, you don't want to expose them, maybe even as simple as a phone call or a note and just say, hey, 
I care about you. And and church is about community. Call your fellow church members, check in on them, check on, you know, and say, hey, I love you. I care about you. I just want to make sure you're safe. And I want to make sure you have enough toilet paper, right? <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, there's a neighbor of ours across the street, and she was, she was about to run out, and, and we you know, we lent her, we lent her some, right? We expected back in full repayment, but you know, we, we let her have some, right? We knew that TP would be such a rare commodity. <laughs> so, you know, uh, this is a great segue into Tuesday's lesson was talking about the resurrection, but it's also talking about this fear of death. And, uh, once again, this is a, a, a prominent time for us to be talking about this because it says that many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the, like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Uh, and it, it talks about this, right? And the, the, the lesson asks us this question. Uh, it, says, it says, as we're talking about this, what event is he talking about here? And, what, and why, considering what we understand about death, is this event so important to us? Well, I think that's a great question because a big part of this here is that Daniel's focused on the conclusion of, of world history. He talks about the time of the end, but really what happens is Jesus comes, and when Jesus comes, there is the resurrection. Amen. And this is the great hope through the ages. What happens when a person dies, This these existential concerns. I think that's why there's that deep-seated fear in society, you know, if this— pandemic goes around you know what's going to happen it it raises these existential concerns and and the bible deals with that right here yeah it gives us it gives us great hope it gives us great answers my my question is uh, michael even though we have some of the answers why are there still so many people that are afraid of death well that's a that's a really thoughtful question and i think it makes us get in touch with our own mortality Mm. and the meaning of life and what are our lives? What is the purpose of our lives all, all about? So it just raises these concerns. Um, And part of that is, you know, that's why Jesus Christ died for us. And that's what brings us back to these questions here. uh, These next texts that are listed in our quarterly uh, Hebrews two and Romans chapter eight. Uh, because it's really asking us the, the these questions of why we don't necessarily have to be afraid, um, because there is purpose and meaning to life, and we only know that when we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And, th- and there it is. Uh, we have to have that relationship. I was just reading uh, earlier uh, this week in the book of Acts, where Paul is coming to those uh, leaders in Miletus, and in the book of Acts, and he's meeting with the uh, officers of Ephesus, and he's telling them, I'm not going to see you again. I'm about to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. And they wept together. It's okay to to be sad that you're not going to see each other here on earth again. But he also had this great hope because he's the same one that wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, death is swallowed up in victory, right? Mm-hmm. So, Michael, go ahead and read for us Romans eight eighteen. Absolutely. Here we go. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Amen. And and coming back to your question is that we recognize that whatever we go through here on this earth, and sometimes it's not all that pretty. No, it's not. It's nothing compared to what's going to be revealed to us 
when we're in heaven with Jesus for all eternity. And it says that his glory revealed to us. And, you know, that word glory is significant in the Bible because you remember Moses? Yeah. yeah. It's talking about um, God's glory. Reveal to me your glory. And, and God reveals to him his character. Yeah. And so we see who God is. And the more and more God's people uh, recognize and understand God's character in heaven, we're going to see that even more so. Absolutely. And uh, Hebrews two fourteen and 15 gives us some more hope. And as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood... He himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, uh, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So he's going to release those who have who are subject to fear of death, right? So in that releasing, it actually gives us hope, which is much greater than the fear of death. So you're telling me, if I'm hearing you right, Buster, that in the midst of this pandemic and all the craziness going on in the world around us, we need to be anchored and remember who Jesus is and the fact that we have hope. We're a people of hope. Yes, and we need to be distributors of that hope. It's not for us to hoard on to, like people are doing with toilet paper once again. Share it, right? Go out there and share hope. Let you know, Post it on your feed. Allow people to say, man, what's different about those Seventh-day Adventists? Mm-hmm. They're not afraid of death like, like the rest of the world. And we can say it's because everlasting began for us as soon as we began to know Jesus. Now, we certainly live in unprecedented times when most of our North American division colleges are moving in some form to some kind of online to, to finish off the last of the semester. I, that's never happened before that I could remember. And then I started doing some research uh, yesterday. I remembered my dissertation was on 1919 Bible Conference. And and right about that time, 1918, 1919, was the influenza pandemic. Just over a century ago, one of the worst pandemics in in human history where tens of millions of people perished. I mean, it's terrible. Yeah. And what impressed me was I was looking at the Adventist, the response of Adventist churches. And here I thought, well... You know, most of our colleges that had never closed, actually, they closed during the influenza pandemic at that time. Wow. But what really impressed me was the reports of Adventist church members and congregations. Sometimes they, you know, they had to stop evangelistic meetings. They had to stop in-gathering, had to stop doing all these different things because of the safety of uh, of being careful not to do this, um, the, to spread the disease and uh, all of that. And yet... They were still being evangelistic uh, by doing medical missionary work, taking care of their friends and neighbors, and being the hands and feet of Jesus because they were back then a people of hope. And watching how 100 years ago, how some of our Adventists, do I call them pioneers, I guess? Amen. How they were able to weather through a pandemic and use it to share and be a people of hope and share God's love and grace at a very difficult moment. You're speaking my language now because evangelism is not a it's not an event. It's not this five-week meeting that we hold. It's a lifestyle. It's mm-hmm. something that we live out because the Holy Spirit's dwelling in us. And so it's beautiful to see it acted out. And hopefully, uh, you know, well, not a hundred years from now, because hopefully Jesus comes back before then. But as we're looking at over history, uh, m- people are looking back and saying, man, look at what the Adventists did during the COVID-19 outbreak. I love it. You know, uh, I was just reading Ellen White uh, in Testimonies for the Church, Volume 9, the first uh, 100 pages or so this last week. And she makes this point. I'm just kind of paraphrasing it a little bit, but but basically our most effective witness is not 
holding public meetings and all these other kinds of things. And by the way, those things are good. They're, they're important. But... She, she was not against them. Yeah. <laughs> but she points out that our a witness doesn't become effective until it's become incarnational in how we live our lives. Yeah, absolutely. We Just have to... what you were saying, Buster. Yeah, we have to internalize it. We have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, going on to Daniel 12.4, it asks a very question here. Uh, it asks, why is, is the book of Daniel to be sealed until the time of the end? And just quickly, it says, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. And so it, it pairs us up with John fourteen twenty nine. Can you share that with us, Michael? Absolutely. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. Mm. You may believe. Is it taking place, right? There's no question. (laughs) And are you believing is the question for for those of you who are listening today. Uh, Question for me too too, as well. Absolutely. Back to we are a people of hope and how we live our lives every day. And, you know, I like to point out, uh, and and the lesson reminds us, you know, this is talking about how after 1798, as the time of the end, as Bible prophecy is being fulfilled, the 1260, and kind of right at the very end of the lesson, it talks about the 1290 and the 1335. All of these things are pointing to the same overall general impetus, and that is, is that at the very end of time, God's people are going to be eagerly expecting their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to come again. Yeah. And that book, that seal, that's the book of Daniel. Yes, it is. And I, I can't help myself a little bit, but, but there's a little bit of Adventist history here <laughs> where, you know, how these people began studying Daniel and Revelation after 1798, that there was a worldwide global movement, people studying that, that just like it talked about this book being sealed, Revelation chapter 10 yes. talks about that book being unsealed at the end of time. And, and just like it was described, uh, literally people all around the world studying the book of Daniel as well as Revelation coming to the same conclusion, Jesus Christ is coming. We're reaching a climax to all of human history. Yeah, you know, and that accumulation is what drives us to this day. And I know people are tired of hearing it. They Some people have stopped believing Jesus is coming again, but this is not something to make you fear and, and start saying, oh, I need to get my house in order. This is something to get you excited to make sure you're in that loving relationship with Jesus. So whenever he comes back, we're always ready. I always like to think about when I've been gone on a trip and then I get back home and I like to have a little surprise for my kids, you know, and, and they come to the door and they say, Daddy, Daddy, you're <laughs> home. And they tackle me, you know, and I, I think that's kind of what being a follower of Jesus is in the time of the end, or shall I say, being an Adventist, that it, it doesn't make sense to be an Adventist or a follower of Jesus waiting for Christ's soon return if we don't know and love Jesus. Yeah. Because it's out of relationship that we eagerly look forward to and anticipate his return. You know, the the, the coming back of Jesus, the, the second coming, is a reunion. But you can't have a reunion if you don't have a union in the first place. Beautiful. Right? And so we need to make sure we're unified with Christ so we can have a reunion when he comes back. Amen. Yeah. Well, I think we're right on to Thursday's lesson, the waiting time, uh, verses 5 through 13 of Daniel chapter 12. I don't like to wait. <laughs> <laughs> well it's telling us here that we're going to wait right and i guess so we have to wait some time so what is this waiting time well you know it it goes on to it has several uh different prophecies there that are mentioned here three prophetic uh timetables that are given 
Uh, the first one, a time, time, and half a times. We see all that with a 1260. Then we have 1290, and then we have 1335, right? And so, uh, Dr. Uh, Michael, can you please explain to us, what, what do these mean? Well, great question, because we've looked at 1260. We've seen that several times throughout the book of Daniel. Um, and remember, each day is a year. So if this began in 538 with the rise of papal supremacy, that points again to 1798. So again, uh, that's that time, time and half a times, 1260 days or years. Uh, so if you kind of add up 360, that would be a time. Uh, so you just do the kind of multiply that a bit. So uh, and then you have the 1290, which is, again, talking about um, pointing to the time of the end, which you see, again, a slightly longer time period, 30 years. So whatever is happening, it's 30 years earlier than 538. And so you have to ask yourself, is there a significant something major that happened 30 years before that? Yeah, and that's where we see uh, Clovis, the king of, uh, of the Franks, mm-hmm. and he's actually converted uh, to the Catholic faith. And we see that that's going to still propel us towards the end, towards 1798. You know, we couldn't make this up if we tried because this, and, and that's the beautiful thing about Bible prophecy. You don't have to make things work. It's it's just there. And and so that's why uh, earlier we talked about the verse where it says that you may believe. So when we see Bible prophecy, these different kinds of things, that that there is a clarity and a purpose to Bible prophecy. By the way, I have to put this in here Uh you and I share a student, and she is just on fire for the Lord. She's originally from an, an Asian country. I'll put it that way because I don't want this to get back to her in any, any kind of way. But she shared something that she's reading the Bible, and she's reading it with her father, who is converting from Buddhist to Christianity. And he says the reason why is because he's reading Buddhist history, and he's comparing with the Bible and realizes the Bible is 100% historically accurate. And it's beautiful to see his transformation because of history. And also Daniel and Revelation, they're historical books, not just prophetic. The convicting power of Bible prophecy. Amen. All right, so the last one is 1335. Well, and that's a little bit tricky. There's been some debate about that. What's going on here with this 1335? But again, um, as we look at at it, uh, we have uh, described something special that's going to happen demarking the very this final prophetic period and we talk about 1843 1844 about the conclusion of the 2300 days we see the 1335 is matching right up with that so again um and and by the way the 1335 is a special prophecy it says that those who study bible prophecy at the end are going to be blessed for studying god's word amen and and we see that and hopefully that you are blessed throughout this quarter uh, Michael, we've had a lot of fun doing this. We uh, have. It's our some first bu- quarter doing it together, I know. Some, some bumps in the road, but we've learned, uh, and, and uh, prayerfully, God has blessed you, and thank you guys so much for listening. Yes, thank you. It's It's been a fun journey, and we want to invite you, as we're wrapping up this quarter, that we're going to be looking at next quarter, how to interpret Scripture. Oh, I'm excited about that one. Uh, we're going to start recording here soon, and please join us on that, because I know we have some exciting stuff for you. I guess this is uh, Soup and Swoops signing out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, 
offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.